Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry. Along with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to go back 30 years in time to look at the 1990-91 season, a very significant year in hockey card collecting. And we're going to start with probably the least popular set from that year, the 1990-91 Bowman set. Tim, what's up? Well, we got to go alphabetically, right? So that's why we're starting with B. You know... Unless we talk about the... I don't know, what starts with an A? I don't think there was an A set. Was action packed around at that point? Uh, just promos, but that that's um, a good one. I wanted to do this 9091 retrospective, and I want to do it as a multi-part series. So this will be a multi-part series, because I don't think you could just talk about that year in card collecting in just one show. I mean, we've done, in the past, we've done an entire show just about the 9091 Upper Deck set, and we will be revisiting that yet again uh, for uh, a podcast coming up. But... I kind of wanted to go in reverse order. I wanted to go in the order from the worst set to the best set. Like, I wanted to save the best for last. And I don't know if it's going to be upper deck or pro set, because those are like my one and one A. I'd argue that upper deck is the better set that year, but pro set is really damn good. But I think we we both agree that Tops was the worst set, but we also agree that Tops is really just Opeachy with less cards. So we'll talk about Tops and Opeachy at the same time, because that's what we always do when we talk about an Opeachy set. We also talk about the Tops version of that set and vice versa. So then I think you take Tops out of the equation, that makes Bowman the worst set. So we're starting with the worst and working our way to the best, if that makes sense. Okay. I see your logic. Although Upper Deck would probably be the last alphabetically anyway, so your logic might also... You know, your logic probably would have been better. Then I wouldn't have had to, like, say, well, Tim, is score better than pro set, or is pro set better than score, right? We could have just done alphabetically. Well, the only thing thing of saying good, better, better, or worse, you know, is there's going to be that one guy that, like, loves 1990 Bowman, and, you know his highlight of his day is going to Walgreens and finding the 50 card hockey pack for four ninety nine. That's jam packed with 37, 90 Bowman cards. Yeah. I've so, been, I've made that mistake before that guy's out there. And if he's listening, he's going to hate this show, but everybody else that's not that guy will be on our side. So I have found some things to like about 9091 Bowman, and I'll get to that, but uh, it's still a pretty terrible set. So let me just give the statistics, just the, the just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, as they'd say at a TV show I never watched, but my mother and aunt would always reference just the facts, just the facts. So 9091 right? from Dragnet, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, 9091 Bowman, so came out in fall of 1990, consisted of 264 cards, and then there were 22 hat tricks insert cards. A pack cost you 50 cents, you would get 14 cards, one glossy hat tricks insert card, and one stick of gum, and usually one card in every pack was stained by the wax that they used to seal the the wax packs. A box had 36 packs. So those were the days when you could buy a box for $18 and probably put together a set, get 36 sticks of gum, 
that all the inserts are close to it. The collation was pretty even because there were 100, excuse me, there's 264 cards. And the way Tops would do things is they would print them in 132 card sheets. So it wasn't like anybody was short printed. As Tim, Tim can attest, trying to put together a 165 card set like 8586 tops is maddening because it has something like 99 double prints and 33 single prints or or something like that if you recall like just how many cards you get of the same guy over and over right yeah because of the way the way the print sheets work you know Mm -hmm. you end up with way more of something than the others just because of how it comes off the line so or like yeah. the 8889 top set, Brett Hull, card number 66, is double printed. So, you know, because there were 198 cards, but they had to print them up as 264 cards. So they picked 66 cards and said, all right, well, we'll put another Brett Hull in, you know, we'll put them on both sheets. So that, that made him easier to, to come by. With Bowman, you had an easy, you had an even collation. Even the hat tricks were an even collation because you could get six sets of hat tricks on 132 card sheets. So there's really no short prints in this set. So there's really no inserts. I mean, there's inserts, but they're all printed in the same amount. There's no cards that are hard to come by uh, because they were all printed in the same quantity. Um, If anything, maybe the hat tricks inserts are slightly desirable only because they did not appear in the boxed set which tops put out at the end of the year which i think is kind of a slap in the face to collectors like hey remember that set you put together pack by pack box by box well here's a box set now you don't have to do that but the box set i mean you could chase the box set because there were different versions of it the printings were different well we're not talking about the tiffany set i haven't gotten there yet or is that what you're referring to no, the boxes actually had different pictures on the tops. Oh, different cards pictured. Yes. Like, instead of just printing the same box for everything, they changed the card that was on the top of the box and had different boxes. Because hmm. I think the one that I have has has Ray Bork on the uh, the, the, the front of the box or the That's top That's a of popular box. one. There's one that has the Mike Richter card on top. Oh, okay. And there's one that has a Tom Fitzgerald card on top. Why? I don't know why. I don't. That's what I. And I'm pretty sure, and I don't remember if it was the top or the. It might have been the side. There was one that had a picture of uh, Dave Barr on the side. Okay. From from the uh, Red Wings at the time, and then of course the one side on all of them has the Iserman and Lemieux Mm -hmm. that's covered up with the little stripe thing. But um, yeah, there's different. There's different box tops. And I think one of the side panels might be different on each one. So I don't know if that counts as a variant, but, you know, I have multiple versions of this box set. So, unfortunately. That is hilarious. I might actually have two boxed Bowman sets, and I might not have even noticed. I'm not sure. I might just have one. I think I just, it was something I bought really cheap for like $3 or something, which really goes to tell the resale value of these cards now three dollars for the whole set man it's doubled in price jeez i mean 
I don't know. I know that like a lot of people have been paying crazy prices for 1990s cards. I mean, a box of pro set that you could barely get rid of for $5 at a show is now selling for like $15 on eBay, maybe more, maybe less. And then you got to factor in shipping, which can also affect what a person is willing to pay. I mean, if I'm going to pay $18 in shipping, I'm probably not going to pay $18 for the box. My guess is in the next two years, there'll be three times as many Stanley Cup holograms out there in the world. Mm. Well, as far as Bowman goes, though, I don't really see this as being a set that is going to, like, all of a sudden, like, people are going to be like, hey, this is a cool set. I should collect it. Yeah. Three bucks for 264 cards. I'm going to go with, uh, that's a big nope. It could have been five bucks. I mean, it was at a show. It was just like, a, oh, yeah, okay, cool. It's in a colorful box. I'll buy... I have all these cards. Say, but... At that point, does it matter? <laughs> well, you know, I like factory sets. I have an 8990 OPG factory set that's still sealed. And even though I have that set, it was in a colorful box. And I said, all right, cool. And I have an empty factory box for the 8788 OPG set, which that actually came out in a factory set. And I found a box for like, I don't know, it's just an empty factory box. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like, and then of course I have like 9091 uh, Tops factory set, 9091 OPG factory set, 9091 both of the score factory sets, and then the score rookie and traded, and the hot prospects, and then the upper deck traded. And, you know, so like, I, I do like. The 80s ones do have some value. Yes. There is some kind of value to those. I think the only real value here when you're dealing with a 90 Bowman set that. You can buy a whole set nowadays for three to five bucks. Would be if you're busting open, pulling out what would be the key rookies and trying to send them off for grading. And even then, I don't know that you're going to come out on top. No, because it seems that like if people are going to chase Bowman, they're going to go after the so-called Tiffany version. So that's the high-end version that was printed on premium cardstock that had extra gloss. It was like Tops would do these baseball, they would do their baseball card sets and they'd basically print them on Opeachy stock. And so the the fronts looked better. The backs looked way better. And I believe they were sold at the Tiffany and Company stores. So this is how you tricked your rich grandparents to buy you a set of baseball cards for, you know, hundred dollars instead of for twenty nine ninety nine at Walgreens, they would see it at Tiffany and Co for ninety nine ninety nine and be like, "Oh, my grandson would like this." And you know, because rich people are not going to buy something if it's cheap, I guess, but they'll buy it if it's expensive, right? You just tripled the price, put it on slightly better cardstock, and make people think that they're getting a premium product. So they actually did Tiffany sets with Bowman and with Tops that year, and they were limited. The print run was limited. And they're numbered. I have a Tiffany set. I can't bring myself to open it. And I guess it's because it's just the same cards, but on better card stock. And it just, it, it doesn't, I, I don't know. Like, it, it almost seems like if I open it, then it's opened. And if, then, I don't know. Like, now I'm thinking like a dumb collector. Like, well, I wish I had two. One to open, one to keep in the package, right? But... I don't think that it being 
a nicer cardstock is going to increase my enjoyment of the set because I still think the set is pretty terrible. Or as Beavis and Butthead used to say, you could shine a turd, but then all you have is a shiny turd. And in this case, it's just putting it on shiny, glossy cardstock, but it's still a shiny turd with brighter cardstock on the back, I guess. I don't know. Lipstick on a pig, as they say. Lipstick on a pig. So... Well, I'll say this, like, if you're going to buy a Wayne Gretzky card, or if you're a Gretzky collector, you're going to try to collect all his cards. But if you're like, hey, I wanted to invest in this Bowman set, you're probably best just grabbing, like, the Tiffany versions, because those are limited, and there's a finite quantity of them, and they do actually look better. I mean, because they're printed on brighter stock, the colors look brighter. And they have a gloss coat on them that's actually glossier than the Hat Tricks inserts. The Tiffany versions of the Hat Trick inserts are probably as glossy as the base cards. And to give a comparison, I mean, this is glossier than your glossy inserts, like your team scoring leader or your Hat Trick inserts. It's kind of like, I don't know if anybody remembers the Dick Tracy cards that came out in like, I think it was 89. And those were like super glossy that was the shtick they were super glossy cards they're kind of like that level going back to what you were saying about the tiffany i think the print run was three thousand on those yeah that sounds about right so if you think about it i mean three thousand of one set you know only three thousand i mean for a 90s card yeah three thousand for 1990 that's like next to nothing that's like nothing especially considering how much of just the regular set that was printed up Right? I'm still convinced that they're still printing this in a warehouse somewhere. There's so much of it out there. I mean, and I guess the thing about it is, like, I'm never really happy when I randomly end up getting Bowman cards in, like, a repack box. Like, when, what was it? I bought some, I bought a box of cards off of somebody, and they threw in some Bowman packs as a thank you. And I was just like, yay, more Bowman packs. And yeah, it is 3,000 sets. You're you're like, why do you hate me? What did I do to you? Yeah, like, I don't need... You know, I gave away a ton of Bowman. I just... I had so much of it. And I was just like, well, I could try to build more sets. But then I'm like, well, then for why? Why? why?" You know, if you say, ooh, I'm only three base card shy of completing an upper deck base set, you go, well, I could probably flip that for 15 bucks, right? But like you go, oh, I'm only eight cards shy of finishing this 9091 Bowman set. No one's going to buy it off of me. I mean, people, if you want a Bowman set, hit me up because I probably got like five of them just taking up space that I don't need. And I, I think we should probably talk about some of the merits of this set. And I kind of use that term loosely, but actually really quick, let me just give a little bit of a backstory on the, the Bowman name. So Bowman was a trading card company in the forties and fifties. They made baseball cards from 1948 to 1956. They were top's biggest competitor. What was actually going on in the fifties is that Bowman and Topps were kind of like in this arms race where they were trying to sign baseball players to exclusive contracts to, uh, you know, okay, you sign a contract with Bowman, now you can't be on a Topps card, right? And so eventually what Topps did was they just bought out Bowman. And then that way they could have the rights to make cards of all the baseball players. But they didn't do anything with the Bowman name until 1989, 
when they said, hey, baseball cards are popular and we have this Bowman brand name, let's use it. So they made a set of Bowman baseball cards in 89. They were oversized, kind of like the old Bowman cards from the 50s. So they weren't two and a half by three and a half. They were a little bit wider, a little bit taller. They required the eight pocket pages that nobody likes. And then in 1990, Topps decided to also do a Bowman hockey set that looked like their 1990 Bowman baseball set, which so it has the same design. So on the front, they're kind of like these tricolored borders that are green, yellow, and red. And then on the back, they have a statistical breakdown that talks about how the player did against each team. So it's like a grid that'll tell you how well he played against the Flyers, the Penguins, the Bruins, the Red Wings, the Nordiques, etc., etc. So that's kind of like the skinny about the whole history of Bowman and, and, and how this set came to be. I mean, if you can't beat your competition, might as well buy them, right? Right. So what was funny, though, about the Bowman name is that it didn't really mean anything to hockey collectors. Like, Parkhurst meant a lot to hockey collectors, and it was a big deal when Parkhurst came out in 91 or 92 because you had people in their, like, 40s who were like, oh, yeah, I bought Bowman cards, or 40s or 30s, who were like, oh, I bought Parkhurst cards when I was 10, right? Like, the name Parkhurst had equity with card collectors, like the name Ice Kings has equity with hockey card collectors. But Bowman didn't really mean anything to hockey card collectors. As a kid in 1990, it was just another set for me to collect. It just had a different look to it. It had some cards that were not found in the top set. And it was relatively easy to get. I mean, I remember, like, just my supermarket had them. The gas stations had them. The freaking candy store had them. The um, drug stores had them. I mean, they were everywhere because Topps was everywhere they wanted to be, you know? I mean, that year... Tops hockey was everywhere, and therefore Bowman hockey was everywhere. Was that like that with uh, you in in the Berg? Oh yeah, yeah. Bowman was <laughs> Bowman was everywhere in baseball and hockey. I mean, between between that and Pro Set and Score, it, it was just it was everywhere. It was in every store. And when you bring up like gas stations, yes, it was in gas stations. And we're not talking like the nice fancy gas stations like they have now where you can go and order a, a full five course meal in print made to order like they have at sheets and stuff like that out in Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking like little rinky dink gas stations that have like one pump and have like six candy bars. Mm-hmm. They also would have baseball cards and sometimes hockey cards. And I remember these being, um, pretty prevalent so some of the rookie cards so this set has 70 rookie cards which is quite a bit if you think out of 264 cards 70 of them are rookie cards now a rookie card isn't necessarily meaning that the player was in their first year or their second year um it could have been a guy who just never had a card like say dave reed for instance who played a number of years but didn't have any cards until 1991. You had a lot of guys like that who played in the 80s, and then when 1991 came along, they included everybody and not just like, here are the the top six Flyers and the top seven Penguins. You know what I mean? Now it was like about 10, 15 guys per team were getting featured. 
So the best rookie card is arguably Ed Belfour, who was a rookie in 1991. He played in some playoff games in 89-90, or in the 1990 playoffs. So he has a rookie card in 1991, Bowman, that shows him with his famous eagle mask. So I'd argue that it's slightly than his 1991 upper deck rookie card, maybe because it's a more recent photo. Maybe not, though. You would pick him as the best rookie card out of this one? Well, just the fact that, like, Belfort only has, I mean, he's not an OPG premier. He's not in tops or OPG. He's in upper deck, he's in score traded, and he's in Bowman. And I don't really see the score traded as being a set that, you know, people You're are like, oh. You're talking major releases and not updates and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to get technical, he had cards before 1991. But as far as, like, mainstream NHL sets... Yeah, his upper deck card is going to be more valuable and more sought after because it's the upper deck card. But I think I really like his Bowman card better just because I think it's a cooler picture. I mean, he's on the ice. He's making a save. You see a stick that took the shot, you know, and he's in his eagle mask. I mean, I think it's a pretty badass photo for a 1990s era Topps card. I mean, it's actual game action going on here. So really you're using you're judging that based off the fact that he doesn't have a lot across the board. Yes. I mean, as far as okay. like other great... well, I was gonna say, as far as like rookie cards in there, I mean there's you a, got ton. a bunch of Hall of Famers in there. You got Recky's rookie cards in there, Michael yes. Dano's rookie cards yes. in there, Rob Blake, uh Curtis Joseph, Belfour's Mike... in there, Richter, Mike Richter, Jeremy. Richter's Ronick. in there, Ronick's in there, yeah. I, I was naming Hall of Famers at first, but yeah, you know. Well, Ronick uh, will be in the Hall. He's in the U.S. Hall, and he'll be in the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. Well, we'll see. But Action, uh, oh, Actions speak louder than words sometimes. Although I think with Ronick, his words speak louder than actions, unfortunately. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so, that's... <laughs> he, he, uh, he stuck his foot in his mouth a little too much, and sometimes the... Uh, Voting committee doesn't like that, but we'll see. Yeah. Based we'll on see. merit alone from, from quality of play, yeah, I could see him in there. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of rookie cards in this set of great players. Oh, uh, and there are two guys who only have rookie cards in this set. Oh, who are those guys? Because Chris Govadaris and Dave Tomlinson are only found in 9091 Bowman. So if you really wanted a Chris Govadaris or Dave Tomlinson rookie card... This is the set to find it. Oh, I've been searching for that first guy you said forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just, I, I <laughs> you know, what's fun is that, like, so I'll, I'll put a link to this in the comments, but it was five years ago I did a ranking of all the sets from 9091. And one thing I liked to, to do is I liked to list out, as I call them, the scrub players who only have rookie cards in this set or the bit players who have rookie cards only in this set, right? So, like, this set has is, like, the only set to have Dave Tomlinson. Pro set is the only set to have Bruce Shoebottom. OPG is the only set to have Wayne Van Dorp. You know what I mean? Just, like, those guys that just have, like, one card or one rookie card. Maybe they had a few cards the next year, but, like, the only... You know, think about, like, 90-91 was, like, an arms race where, like, everybody was trying to have every rookie possible in their sets. Well... Not top so much. They kind of dropped the puck, so to speak. Man, I, I know lots of weird guys, but 
Govideris is a name that I just couldn't. I I had to look him up on Hockey DB while mm-hmm. you were talking here just to see if he was really a person. How many games did he end up playing? Um, for his NHL career, yeah, forty five. And were they all in ninety ninety one except for maybe a handful in eighty nine ninety? Um, he had twelve in eighty nine ninety, fourteen in ninety ninety one, seven in ninety two ninety three, and twelve in ninety three ninety four. Was he with an expansion team by then? No, he still with went, the Whalers. He was with the Whalers until ninety three. Went to the Maple Leafs. Well, what's funny but, is that, like, if you think about it, he didn't retire cases, until two thousand two. Oh, what was his last team? Was it with Germany? Uh the Swedish one league. So mm. that would have been Lexans IF. Oh, Lexans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his team. Before that, he was with the Berlin Polar Bears. I actually own a, I actually own a Berlin Polar Bears hat. Well, see, there you go. Yes. You should track down Chris Govideris and have him sign it for you. The Ice Baron. So, so if you think about it, though, the previous decade... If a guy played 12 games, he didn't get a rookie card. Yeah, I mean, why? You're, because why both, because really? Tops was like, hey, this Ed Belfour played a few games in the playoffs. Let's make a card of him. You know, they, they didn't know that he was going to be a superstar and be the rookie of the year that year. I mean, the back of the card, they don't even have stats. It just says here. They just kind of stamped diagonally. It said Ed appeared in oh nine games in the nineteen ninety playoffs, going four and two with a two point four nine goals against average. He was the backup to Greg Millen, and Millen played horribly in the playoffs, and they put in Belfour, and he he got them through. He got them to the conference finals. And then Mike Keenan went back to Greg Millen and the Blackhawks lost to the Oilers. I don't know if they kept Belfour in if they would have won or gotten past the Oilers. I like to think that would have happened. Like he could have been that rookie goalie that came out of nowhere and like stole the show because nobody knew how good he was or what he was capable of. Kind of like Ken Dryden or Matt Murray in, uh, was that 2017? Coming in for... Uh, Flurry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Murray's got two cups, so. Yeah, and one was before he was technically a rookie. I mean. Right. He was eligible for Calder the very next year, and he already had a cup. So. Right. Kind of like Dryden in 71. So anyway, so. Um, Belfort never see. did so, win a cup, though, right? Uh, he did with the Dallas Stars in 99. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I always forget about that Dallas Stars team. That, that's where so many guys that didn't get cups their whole career got cups. For was from that Stars team. So I think one thing that Bowman really missed the boat on was because it was a different set than Tops. They could have really tried to be really different, like Opeachy was with Opeachy Premier. Opeachy Premier focused on all the new rookies, not Belfour, but for the most part. They got all the big guys from 8990, like Madonna and Ronick and Sergey Makarov, who is the rookie of the year winner. But then they he also was 78 like, years old. Yeah. But then they also put in Yarmir Yager and they also put in Sergey Fedorov. And there was actually quite a few rookie cards 
in 9091 OPG Premier. It was only 132 cards, but that set had really damn good rookies. Also had some big oversights again, but it had Fedorov and the, the Fedorov and the Yager rookie cards in that set were like super, super sought after it during the 9091 season. And Bowman just didn't really have anybody like that. I mean, you could go, yeah, there's Belfour, but he's also in Upper Deck, and ooh, I like Upper Deck better, and ooh, there's an Upper Deck French version of the card, and I want that one now, right? It would have been cool if, like, Bowman was a little more experimental, like if they said, you know what, let's do all the draft picks from 1990. We're tops. We have money. Let's make it happen. Let's just get 1 through 21, right? That would have been really cool. Or if they just said, you know, Let's focus this on prospects, kind of like what they did in the late 90s with uh, Bowman, where it was like a CHL set, and say, you know, let, let's focus this on like the up-and-comers, you know, and, and, and then throw in a few of the mainstream guys like Gretzky and Lemieux just to, you know, just to draw people in to want those cards. I don't know. Instead, it just, it was like a alternate version of the Tops cards, and even like 9091 Tops had those top prospects cards. So, I mean, they did have rookie cards. They did have cards of players who were perhaps destined for longer careers. Yeah. So as far as the Bowman set goes, so they could have, I mean, they did did have a lot of rookie cards, but they didn't really like surprise anybody with other than maybe the Ed Belfour rookie card. Uh, You know, maybe Curtis Joseph a little bit, but like, I mean, not if he was already in the top set. There wasn't anybody, like, they didn't just say, boom, we're putting out a Sergei Fedorov card because we know he's going to be important this year, you know? Or, hey, Yager is hyped. Let's put out a card of him. You know what I mean? Like, Matt Sundin, let's put out a card of him. Okay, maybe he's not going to play with the Nords this season, but let's, well, he did, but, like, you know, let, let's put a card of him as a draft pick, you, you know, like like a predicted or whatever. Like, they could have... They could have done so much with this, and they. Just... Oh yeah, because Sundin's not in there, is he? No, I mean he's in Upper Deck and he's in That's Score right. and he's in Pro Set Series too. Yeah, he's basically in everything else but that. Yeah, Bowman. I mean, besides the 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 mediocre player selection, I would say boring design. There's really nothing great about the front design. I guess it's not terrible. It's just not great. It's it's generic because they used it for their baseball design, and it would pretty much work for any design. Just swap out the Bowman logo with a little hockey stick for a Bowman logo with a little baseball bat, and it's the same thing. The photos tend to be dark, and that's just a Topps thing. Topps photos always just looked bad. I mean, you compare that to, like, Upper Deck and how great those photos looked, and then you look at Bowman, and it's just, it's like, one is like a high-resolution quality print and the other one's like a photocopy of a photocopy still in color but a photocopy of a photocopy and then like i said no 9091 guys like yager or fedorov again i question the the usefulness of the backs because it's like okay you have a breakdown so like let's take a look like here like mario lemieux okay for instance in two games against the Bruins, sorry, three games against the Bruins, he has two goals and four assists for six points that's pretty cool to know that and like who would have been the Penguin? Oh, let's say the Flyers, right? So in five games against the Flyers, Lemieux only had one goal, but he had seven assists for eight points. So this is kind of cool for the guys who played a ton of games that season and put up a lot of points. But then if you look at somebody who didn't play a lot, um, now I'm just going to, let's see, who do I have here? Um, Clark Donatelli of the North Stars. Well, he played 25 games that season. 
He didn't play any games against the Jets, the Capitals, the Rangers, the Kings, the Oilers. And, like, he played one game against the Bruins where he had zero goals and zero assists. He played one game against the Sabres. He had zero goals and zero assists. He played one game against the Flames. Care to guess his stats for against the Flames? Zeros. Zero, 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 right? Blackhawks, two games, zero, zero, zero. Red Wings, one game, zero, zero, zero. I mean, it's just, it's like, okay, here, Devils, two games, one goal, one assist. He had a career year against the Devils. I mean, hey, he's a devil killer. Yeah, with his one goal and one assist. And I mean, I love the guy. He he played on the 92 Olympic team, but I just, I don't see the usefulness of like having the breakdown by teams. With like Gretzky and Lemieux, it's fun. It's like fun to look at Gretzky's card this is Against like advanced the, stats, though, before advanced stats were a thing. But see, for baseball, this was cool because you play like 40 games against every team, right? You play against, or maybe not 40, but you play at least six games against a team, right? In baseball, you play more than three games, right? Yeah, but you also, and you play them in a series, usually. Right. Yeah, like here, like Gretzky, for instance, in three games against the Blackhawks, he had two goals and four five assists for seven points. But what's really funny is in eight games against the Oilers, he had eight goals and six assists. So you think he turned it on against his old team? Well, wouldn't you want to? Yeah, but I mean, even against the Jets, well, he only played six games against the Jets and two goals, nine assists. So it is, yeah, it is kind of like advanced stats and it is kind of fun. Um, Advanced stats brought to you by Bridgestone (laughs) or whatever sponsors or what they say, next gen stats is what they call it. Yeah. Next gen stats brought to you by whoever. It's brought to you by somebody. Are we no longer saying fancy stats? Fancy, st- we can call it fancy stats if you want. Yeah. On the backs, I've never liked Bowen backs because they're always like this. They've always been like that. That's their thing. I get it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's not for me. Stadium Club does that too sometimes with like the weird statistics on the back that aren't traditional, which is, I mean, it's fine. The yeah, fronts, they're though, like some EA Sports like defensive awareness kind of statistics. Yeah, but the the fronts, like you mentioned, the pictures. The pictures are dark. The other thing about them, they're not good. They're not high quality. Mm-mm. And part of that's the printing technology that they used um, with that dot printing. Yeah, that Top still was doing at that time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for these close up shots, some of them are very bad. Like, they're blurry, they're out of focus, they're grainy, they're just, they're bad. And if they if they used higher quality images for these, get rid of the white border, and you basically have yourself an upper deck card. Full bleed, edge to edge photo, right? If you got rid of that white border. Well, upper deck didn't do full bleed that year. But they weren't, do- you're right, they weren't doing that at the time. But you compare any of these Bowman cards to the upper deck set that year, and you're talking like, I just took pictures with my, you know, 400 megapixel camera, and here you go, versus this guy just took these pictures on his flip phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, and granted, none of those things existed in 1990, but you get you get the comparison that I'm trying to make. I mean, these are just typical tops photos. A lot of them are from warm-ups or stoppages of play. Every now and then you get caught off guard with a, an action photo. And then you have like a lot of close-ups. And I think that's really 
maybe what makes these old top sets endearing are some of the close-ups that you get. I actually picked out a few that I want to highlight, and I'll have pictures of these in the comments. So the first one... Is one this of them is... Lou Francis Getty? No. Uh, is that the one? You got that one out? No, I just I just like his name. I always it's a fun name to say. Ever since I was a kid. Cheesy. Ever since I was a kid, and we would pull his sticker for the Panini albums. Mm-hmm. I was always... Lou Franceschetti. It's just a funny name. but This sucks, is so. not a bad card. Wayne yeah, Gretzky. The Gretzky card's a good card because he reminds everyone that hockey is fun. And, I mean, look, he's, okay, he's got the Gretzky mane, you know, that he grew out oh, with yeah, the, the Kings. The flow's he's got, going. Got the C on his jersey. Uh, he's smiling. And then he's also wearing those generic blue T-shirts that every hockey player wore under their equipment in the 1990s. I don't get that. This was before base layers when you just wore a T-shirt under your gear. Unless you were Bob Probert, then you didn't wear any T-shirt under your gear. You just went bare-chested because you were Bob Probert. Yeah, no one's going to tell you otherwise. I don't think anybody would tell Gretzky otherwise, but he just did it because that's what you do because he was a a hockey player. So there you go. So that's one close-up photo that stands out to me. Another one is this one of Dennis Savard because he has a mustache, but this is not from the 89-90 season because he did not have a mustache that year. This is from probably 88-89 when he was the team captain and he had a mustache. Um, It's a good picture. I like it. It just, even as a kid, I knew this was an old, outdated photo. It had no business being on a 1990 card because it was probably from 88. Yeah. Another one, this one I had to look up. I I never could figure out the deal with this card. So um, Jim Sandlack, and he has a a patch on his jersey that says Babe, and I never knew why that was. And, And then once I looked it up, it made sense to me. It was because Babe Pratt, the former... NHL player died in December of 1988 and at that point he was an ambassador for the Canucks he was long retired he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 66 and so the Canucks because he was involved with the Canucks for the latter half of the 88-89 season they put the name they put the word babe his his nickname on their jersey but I always wondered about that and if you look at his shoulders you'll see that it's got those stripes so this style of jersey was last worn during 88-89 and um I just I always wondered about that. Like I this is like a card I feel like I had 12 of at one point cuz he just who, he who is it again? Jim Sandlack. I like how he's also sporting the uh, Lloyd Christmas haircut. Yeah, I was going to say and he's got like that bowl haircut. It's just not a good it's just <laughs> it, and it says babe on his shoulder and he's looking right at the camera like like, are you going to take my picture? Ah, oh, damn, he took my picture. I'm pretty sure uh, Jim Carrey got that haircut idea from that card. Stand back. I know VCR. I should put uh-huh. this with the Cam Neely card, and then it would make sense. Hey, there you go. The sea bass. Now, this one always cracked me up because it's mm. Reggie Lemelin, and he looks like he's about 65 here. You know who he looks like in this picture? Um... Kind of looks like Bill Cower from the side. Who's, a bit. who's that? Bill Cower, the old coach of the Steelers. Oh, oh, okay. He's um, in the Hall of Fame. You know who he looks like to me in this? He looks like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace. 
Oh yeah, he's got kind of that look too. He's he's got like this kind of angry look. He's got a mustache and he's got a big honking nose. And I mean, let's see, how old was Reggie Lemelin? Because he's going to be younger than my age now. Let's see, five eleven, weight one seventy, shoots right, born in let's say fifty four. 64, 74, 84. He's my parents' age. Yeah. So he would have been about 36 when this picture was taken. So yeah, he did look about a hundred years old. But he looked like he looked like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace. And in this last one that uh that that always stood out to me is Peter Klima. Because he's got this like he's got the like Yager hair before it was Yager hair. I guess it was just Czech hair because he's from the Czech Republic. But he looks to me like, he looks like Andre the Giant's little brother. Like, you'd have Andre the Giant, and then his little brother would uh, be uh, Peter the Petite. Because he doesn't he look nice. like Andre the Giant? But if you, like, <sighs> shrank Andre the Giant down to, like, normal human size, he'd look like Peter Klima on this 90 Bowman card. Peter Petite. Nice. Peter Petit, right? I'm sure he would love to be called that. <laughs> Hey man, yeah. I'll never forget that uh, that overtime goal he got in the 1990 finals. That was the goal, man. And then I was able to go to bed. I was I was I was like it's like a freshman in high school. I'm like, please somebody score. I want to go to bed. I'm so tired, but I don't want to go to bed and then not know who won the game. And then he scored that goal. And now he'd forever be known as Peter the Petite. Peter the Petite. How, let's see what his uh, let's just look at that. Uh, stat line there for his he says it is says he's six feet so i should talk do i want to talk about the errors in this set i was gonna say you didn't want to you didn't want to point out that all of the aliases of chris chelios oh yeah 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 since he's undercover as like five different players yeah so there's a chris chelios okay so chris chelios also appears on peter svoboda's card but it's the same photo. It's the exact same photo. How does somebody not notice that? Because Chelios won the Norris Trophy like in 89. And so this is like 1990, 91. So how do you not like look? I can understand if you say, I don't know what Peter Svoboda looks like. But if you're looking at the card and you go, oh, yeah, Chris Chelios. And then you look two cards later and you go, oh, Chris Chelios. Oh, wait a minute. Nope, that's also Chris Chelios. Yeah, I don't think that's Peter Svoboda because that's definitely Chris Chelios. So that was annoying because it wasn't even a different photo. And Chelios is my favorite player. Now, back then I was annoyed by it because it was so clearly an error. When a 15-year-old could point out an error that like people getting paid money to do can't figure out, that annoys me. There's always a lot of errors with Blackhawks or future Blackhawks in this case. Yeah, and then the other one uh, that, thank you, good segue was the LC cord card, which, I mean, instantaneously I got that card, and I'm like, that's not LC cord, that's Dwayne Sutter. Again, I'm a Blackhawk fan, so I know what LC cord looks like. I also know what Dwayne Sutter looks like, although I think if you put all the Sutters in a lineup, I probably, I could pick out Daryl Sutter, and probably Brian, and you have some that are twins. Most, so they, most of the Sutters look similar. They, they have similar like features. Sutters. Yes. Huh? They have similar feature, facial features. Right. Dwayne Sutter is on Al Secord's card. And I know what they were thinking. They were going, oh, well, he 
he's wearing number 16. And Al Secord wore number 16. Yeah, well, Al Secord also wore 20. So, I mean, you can't just judge a player by his number. You have to at least give them credit. They didn't use Dwayne Sutter's picture also on his card. Well, Dwayne Sutter didn't have a card. Exactly. Right. He pictured so, a guy on a wrong card and didn't even give him his own card. Right. And also, I mean, a really big, a really big feature of Al Secord is that he didn't wear a helmet. Oh, yeah, Dude used cool. to drop him with anybody. I mean, he'd hit. He was the physical presence on that team when the Secord Savard Larmer line was wreaking havoc in the eighties. And I, I, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek because I mean, you know, okay. They weren't the Gretzky, Curry, Messier line. That really wreaked havoc in the 80s. But the Secord-Savard-Larmer line was part of the effectiveness was that Secord was the muscle on that line. I mean, you need to have a not necessarily an enforcer, although he was willing and able to fight with anybody. But, you know, I mean, it's a guy that doesn't wear a helmet. How can you screw that up? Like, especially by 1990, there were only, like, seven or eight guys who were not wearing helmets. So, how do you screw that up? You know, like, you don't... It, it just... Photographers, it, not hockey fans. No, the photographer was selling them a picture, and they said, we'll buy this one for $7.50. And they said, okay, because that's what Tops paid back in the late 80s, early 90s. They paid you seven and a half bucks. I heard this from a sports photographer who told me that Topps was paying seven and a half dollars and ProSet was willing to pay double. So he was like, then he started photographing for ProSet. Seven bucks for professional photo to use on your card. What a bunch of leeches. Yeah. Well, that was a $1989. So that was worth at least double. Hey, speaking of leeches, wasn't there a leech error too? Oh, each leech. Yeah. So, okay. So Brian Leach's card there is a variation of it where the L in his last name is missing. Now, it is not an intentional error. Like, it's not like they misspelled his name and then they went back and they corrected it in, like, a later print run. That would be, like, an error error. This is more of a printing error where what happened was the black ink was not applied. And you could tell, because if you look at the card, look at the bottom of the card, around the border of the card... There's a little bit of black in that border, and the black is missing from the border, and then the black is missing where the L should be. And then you could even argue that the first E in his name is maybe a little lighter than it should be. So, yeah, that's But it's about... weird that one letter would get missed when the rest of them are there, and you can't really say it's color because all of the black is there. It's just one letter is missing. And a little bit of the black in the border above the L, but the black in the photo is still there. It's almost like they were like typesetting the letters, like old timey, and then they went to print it, but the L like fell out of the out of the uh, harness for a second, and they're like, or "Where'd the L go?" It. Or well, like maybe be. something obscured because, like I said, the little bit of black above the L is also missing. Yeah, that could be too. So, future Hall of Famer Brian Each is is featured on this card, and yeah. it's not really that great of a card i mean it's not even that exciting i mean but at least they tried to fix it and came out with a corrected version i see the thing is is i don't even think it was a corrected version i just think that they they spat out a bunch that had that mistake and i think they spat out many more that didn't have that mistake i think it was an early production problem that they fixed 
it's still corrected whether they corrected it at that point in time or not it's it's a variation that was never intended i don't think exactly unlike a... unlike all the other ones we've just been talking about which they were never fixed like there's no al secord card with the right photo and there's no peter swoboda uh, card swoboda right. with peter swoboda there's you know some of the other cards where they have players names spelled wrong and positions wrong they never fixed those so the uh there was no incentive to fix the al secord card cuz he retired that summer so even though he was in the set, there was really no incentive to like go back and fix the card because like oh you're retired now you're irrelevant you're retired and it, it didn't matter but it was tops and I mean by then I mean they weren't really correcting their mistakes I mean I know in the late seventies they flip flopped the pictures of Al McAdam and Bernie Wolf and I want to say the seventy seven seventy eight top set and it did correct them but you know tops just didn't bother with fixing errors in their their hockey sets it was just like oh, oh yeah, there you go <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's kind of like we're, we're doing hockey out of obligation not because we really want to so at least in the 90 91 at least they wanted to do another hockey set they wanted to try to be a little bit competitive with like the other companies and try to like put out more than one set that people would collect and then move on. At least this gave me a second set to collect before I moved on to something else. Although in this case, that something else was pro set upper deck and score and Opeachy. All much better choices. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just check in my notes here. I don't think there's really anything else I can say about the set. I feel like I've I kind of squeezed all of the, uh, not the life, but we've said more about this set in the last 40 minutes than anyone has ever said about this set ever. Yeah. Lipstick on a pig, an ugly duckling, a shiny turd, whatever you want to call it. Um, Top should be paying us for this, giving all of these lip service to Bowman. 9090 Bowman. Yeah, I know. One one little thing is that I remember in like ninety-one, I boxed up all my Bowman and Tops cards that were um, stained, and I sent them back to Tops, And they sent me back replacement cards. They sent me back unopened cello packs of Topps, uh, 1990 Tops, and the cello packs didn't use wax, so those cards weren't stained. They sent me back wax packs of Bowman hockey, but they used such a little amount of wax that it, it literally did not stain the top card. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So it's like they specifically made those just to just for you. Like anybody complains about wax stains, here, give them these. They have less wax. I think that they kind of became aware of this in the 90s. I think they were kind of aware that, like, if you buy a pack of upper deck all the cards in that pack are going to be in mint shape, or they're going to be in as, as, as good shape as possible. But with tops, we all knew that that, that first card was going to be stained, right? We just knew it. Baseball, Star Wars, any of the top sets, we just knew that that card was going to have a wax stain. So it was just that something. Or the gum stain from the other side. Right. So. So it was just something we learned to live with. Right. right. And then when these other companies came out, and they just said, oh, we're not putting in gum in our cards. And, you know, you don't have to worry about a wax stain because we're crimping the wrappers at the top and the bottom. Then it was just like Tops had to 
raise their game and, and be more competitive. They did progressively get better and try to do away with cards having any imperfections right out of the pack. Um, but yeah, Bowman was... Um, I was going to say, I think 9091 tops, those were those more plasticky packs. Like they were like not cellophane, but they weren't, I don't think, I don't know that they were waxed. 91, 92, you mean? 9091 were still the old school wax. Yeah, ni- I meant 91, 92. 91, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're year, probably right. I think right. they were more like a plasticky kind of thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they I, were I like don't... plastic and shrink wrapped kind of around the card. Yeah. And they never, most of them, I don't even think, covered the whole entire back of the cards. Mm-mm. Yeah, you could see that the, the, the. You could always see the back card through. Right. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about the Hatrix insert set. It's kind of a neat yeah, set. I forgot about those. It's, it's kind of forgettable. It's cards the of... The ones that if you didn't look close enough, if you were thumbing through, you would think they were just more of the regular cards. I mean, the they, design is different. Not by much. It's, it's essentially reversed. It's essentially reversed. Like the regular cards have the Bowman logo stuck in the corner across the line of the border. Mm-hmm. These ones... They put it on the bottom and then move the name to the top. Other than that, it's still pretty much the same size photo and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, I was hoping, like, okay, these are hat tricks cards. So these are guys scoring hat tricks. And, like, none of the cards show anybody shooting anything. Like, they're all just kind of, like, standing around, skating. You know, not really much of anything. But well, at least on the backs, they tell you. Hey, so and so scored a hat trick in this date, so you at least have some frame of reference. You know, so a couple of things about the set because it's kind of weird. It's got like a like a like a fedora hat in the corner, almost like a Dick Tracy kind of hat. It's just like a Dick Tracy hat. And then on the back, it has a hat, and the pucks are shooting out of the hat. But at first glance, I thought those pucks were actually bullet holes in a number three. Yeah. I can see that. Especially because they flip one of the pucks upside down, so it's 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 kind of silly looking. Yeah, if the tops of the pucks have the shadowing, why does that one flipped? Yeah, I, I don't know. They were just they should have all been the same way. That would have been cool. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, it, it is dumb. And they did this little illustration of a hat. And you know, one person said to me, Well, Gretzky doesn't have a card in that set. And I'm like, Yeah, because Gretzky actually didn't have a hat trick during that season, believe it or not. So these are only players that had hat tricks during the 1989-90 playoffs or season? Both. Or both. Okay. Because the Mike Which explains why John Drews has an insert card in a 1990 set. Right. Because he had that monster playoff run in 1990. Yeah. And then like Mike uh, Mike Gartner, they have him pictured as both a North Star and a Ranger. Gardner so was it was kind of neat that they pictured him even though like Tops didn't always update their photos. They showed him with two different teams in the same insert set because they were conscientious of, well, he scored a hat trick when he was with this team, and he also scored a hat trick when he was with this other team. But I think also part of that is that they just had to hit 22. They needed to have 22 cards because they needed to be able to print this on a 132-card sheet. So they probably looked and said, well, all of Lemieux's hat tricks, he only played for the Penguins, and... You know, and they look at, like, say, Bernie Nichols, and maybe he didn't have a hat trick with the Kings, but he did with the Rangers. Actually, you know, this Steve Eiserman, I don't know why I like this card. This Steve Eiserman hat tricks card just, I don't know, it looks badass for some reason. Doesn't it look like, doesn't he look like, um, 
Doesn't this look like a shot from the movie Youngblood a little bit, even though they didn't wear red jerseys, but just the way he's coming uh, onto the ice. Yeah, but you decide to use that photo where you got somebody's like arm in the shot and it's all blurry. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. I don't know. Like, really, this is the picture you're going to go for. Like, I would have been like, stop, go back, do that again. Get the hell out of the shot, dude. Like, move the hell over. You know, one thing that I will say about Bowman, and this also applies to Tops that year, is that uh, this was the year that Tops did away with airbrushing the photos. So even though they could have probably, they might have wanted to airbrush some of them, they didn't. Um, although I think, I don't know how current all of these were. Well, Dennis Savard was obviously with the um, Canadiens that year. Oh, yeah, you know what? This did annoy me because of Chelios. Because even though he's with the Canadians, that was his first year with the Blackhawks. You know, if they had airbrushed a Blackhawk jersey on Peter Svoboda, I mean, Chris Chelios, I don't know. That would have been kind of funny to see it, like, one more time with, like, my favorite player. Like they did with Bobby Orr in the 70s or pretty much every other player from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. Warren Young in 86, 87, I think. For the... uh... The 89 Randy Cunningworth card. Ugh, yeah, that's that's a train wreck. <laughs> that is yeah, they could have really um they could have really had some fun with some of these, but uh eh, whatever. Yeah, I guess overall it, it's a mediocre set. It's something you could pick up for cheap. It has a lot of players. It doesn't do anything that other sets that year don't already do better. Then I look at this another card that annoys me. Uh, as I'm paging through this, is uh, Tony McKegney. Where he's half, half on and half off of his card. He's like skating off his own card. He knows this set is so bad, he's trying to get out of the frame before they take the picture. He's like, no! Yeah, he's trying to escape. Trying to escape. Yeah, I, I guess that's the other thing, too. With the exception of Ed Belfour, who I think that's a pretty cool picture. And there's probably a few other that are pretty cool, too. Or at least they're the players in frame and in focus. But, like, I feel like these are the pictures that got passed up for the top set. They said, well, we have two Tony McKegney pictures, and one of them is in focus, and he's in frame. Let's use that on the top set. And the other one is a little, oh, he's half in the shot, half out of the shot. Yeah, we'll use that for the Bowman set. That's a good point. Maybe somebody did that. They're like, ah, Bowman's throwaway. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a low-value Low risk, low reward set. So, you know, I would say this. This isn't something you go after and collect. Maybe pick out your players or pick out your team guys. Unless, you know, this is something where you're like, I've got to have every set from every year. Mm-hmm. And with ninety ninety one, there were still technically only seven, seven major sets. Unless, of course, you count the Canadian version of score or the French version of upper deck. Then mm-hmm. there's nine. So it's really not that hard to put you know, nine sets together and have like the whole, the whole mess. So unfortunately this would have to be one of them in your mix. Right. If you decide to even do that. So, all right, man, I'm tapped out. I can't think of anything else to say about this set. Yep. We beated the dead horse, the dead horse. Right. So thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Hey, you know what? Write us a review on Apple music. That would be awesome. 
And then, uh, you know, let us know what you think. I mean, we're definitely going to do all of the 9091 sets as part of this retrospective that we're doing of the 30th anniversary of the hockey card explosion of 9091. Would love to know what you think of the Bowman set. So uh, that's it. Thank you for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk. 